Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Yep, no, World Cup week has arrived, Izzy. I'm so excited. The Rugby League World Cup kicks off this weekend. And Mel Meninga, he's got one thing right. It is the most competitive tournament we have had in a long time, probably ever. For me, I've never seen it so stacked. The Kiwis are focused on recapturing that moment from 2008 when they were crowned world champions. How good. But it's a wide open tournament with support for the Pacific Nations at an all-time high. A little bit of weight. He's going to charge oh, him. Powerful run for Palestina. He smashed the man in the way. He's still going. Oh, he's like one of those tanks that that General Patton used to call. It's a great Here he comes. Oh yeah, can you can you imagine having to try and tackle that? You recognize no. you recognize those highlights from a mile away, Fecker. My mate is a proud Kiwi and Samoan living up in the United Kingdom. He played in the glory days with the Warriors before heading up to the Super League to have a very successful career, as you heard, with Wigan and Hull just then in the commentary. What well, he's a tunk from General Putton, they called him. He's on the line with us now. Morning, Fix. How's things, brother? Morning, brothers. All good, man. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, mate, mate. How you, how you going, Fix? You're loving it up there? You're, now, you're, you're, uh, you're up there full-time now. You don't look like coming home, do you? <laughs> no, almost 17 years now, bro. Married, so I'm stuck here. And uh, two beautiful kids, so um, this is home for now, bro. Mate, Fix, appreciate you coming on. Is he here, mate? Thanks so much. Uh, mate, what's life like up in the UK for yourself? I just got vivid memories of you running around in the headgear for the Warriors. as destructive as anything, mate. But the UK, how's life? What's it like up there? Life, life's good. Life's good. So I've, almost, I've been here almost 17 years now. So uh, I was obviously I was supposed to come here for three years, and then I've seen <laughs> met my wife and uh, married, had kids, and yeah, like I said this is life. But um, I'm currently um, I was very lucky uh, to be honest. When I finished um, up at Hull FC, I was offered a job as the player welfare manager, sort of slash team manager role um, while I was playing. So 
the transition was very easy. So I did it the year I was retiring. So I had a year sort of doing the role, and so when I actually retired from playing rugby, I've gone into the into the role full time. So I'm currently with C at the moment. Um, yeah, doing that role and enjoying it. And I think as long as I'm think, well, I'm contributing to the group and and being helpful as much as I can, then um, yeah, then I'll still be here. Yeah, nice fix. Hey. Mate, you've had a, a, a massive career. Obviously, uh, down here with the Warriors, went up there, played some good football with Wigan and Hull. And a number of uh, Polynesian boys now sprinkled through the competition. What, uh, what has been your most memorable moment up there with uh, either Wigan or Hull? Um, I'd probably say Wigan was 2010 when we won the grand final. Um, that was a special moment for me. Obviously, I had Thomas Luluai, uh, George Carmont. Um, just today, my uh, few of the brothers from back home. Um, that, that was massive. I'm winning the 2010 World Cup. Uh, sorry, the um, Grand Final uh, at Old Trafford as well. So that's very memorable. Um, although I didn't play in it, but um, Hull FC making the uh, Challenge Cup in the 2016, I wasn't selected to play, but um, them uh, winning the Challenge Cup going back to back in 2017, um, Hull FC is a highlight as well um, for my career over here. But uh, uh, yeah, they, they, those are two very um, great memories of mine in, in the Super League. Fix, what what makes the the UK transition such a desirable one for for the Polynesian boys when they head to the UK? Like, um, what what entices them to head up there, and why do you all of a sudden like you, I think of the UK, cold, no sunlight, you know, total opposite to the islands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's it, bro. That's like. I think I've just got used to it uh, being over here. Um, I think it's just um, I come over early, so I was a bit of a sort of had to grow up real quick. Um, I come in when I was 22. Um, I was very lucky because I also had Jeremy Celsius, who was already here at Wigan. So he looked after me for a bit. Um, and I, I just think it's just you get to live a bit more freely over here, uh, <laughs> sort of away from the family. Uh, you know, you get the old calls and that when they when they need something, you can either answer the call or just wait for the message to get through and then see if it's a, a good call or not. Um, most of the calls are, um, yeah, just to, to see how we are. But I think that's that, that's it. I think you, um, you're able to travel around the you know Europe's on your doorstep. You know, you've got cheap flights and you can travel the world and and just yeah, I think it's just those things. You know, when you're back at school, like oh yeah, you know. You're, talking about other places all over the world and, and like I say you, it's on your doorstep here in England and you get to do a bit of travelling um, and I've been fortunate enough to do a bit of travelling and through rugby um, and it's, like I say it's the career that's given me the opportunity to be on the side of the world no, I never thought I'd be in England and to leave Papatoi and, and end up here but um, you know, that's uh, the, the rugby taken me and I've, I've loved it and enjoyed it a little bit Let's go back. Let's go back a bit, fix. Let's go back to that start of the journey. You remember the mornings used to come in and night to put you through your yep. paces, mate. Tell us, a, tell us a little bit about the start in the in the early days uh, that you had at the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, well, when I made, well, I remember from my debut because obviously I was at the the night squad with Gary Kimball and Trevor Clark, so we trained in the evenings. Um, sort of, uh, there was a few of us, and then. And, um, I think Daniel Anderson come and watch one of our games, and he said, "Look, we want you to come down and train with the first team." So, um, yeah, he invited me to come training, and I didn't know I was going to make my debut that week against uh, Northern Eagles. But he said, "I just want you to offload the ball and pretend you're um, Adam Muir." So 
So I was like, all right, then. So I was just offloading the ball, <laughs> just offloading, just throwing the ball. <laughs> and then the boys were just, I think at the beginning, the boys were taking it all right. And then obviously they started, like, the tackles were getting harder and harder. I was thinking, oh, jeez. Um, and then, yeah, and they told me after that training session that um, I was making my debut that week um, for the Warriors. But I think just my journey from there, um, the early days, we, oh, man, it was just tough. Training was tough. Um, you track them off, you know, you, the athletes that you saw on TV, and you getting to, you know, train and play alongside them was was awesome. But um, yeah, everything we did was everything was a competition. Um, training was hard. Training was, was hard. The easiest part to, was was actually playing the game. Training was was, was brutal um, back then, and um, I think the success behind it was nobody wanted to let anyone down. I mean, some of the runnings that you made us do, Kimpy, was, oh, <laughs> give us a carrot, would you, give us a carrot, give us a carrot, or something, you know, just to summon the trains. But you, you got through it, and that's the thing with rugby. We, everyone, we all went through it. So, um, yeah, it was some tough days, but um, that's what made all of us and our careers. Was was those tough days the sand dunes? I've heard a lot about these sand dunes uh, or, or the sand pit. The sandpit kind of trainings that Kempi and Ando would make you do. Absolutely, well, the sand dunes, uh, the sand dunes were terrible. Um, I bet Beth was there. But we, I mean, the hills, it was just, it was, just, it was straight. And uh, people used to get annoyed because I used to run, and people would make tracks with their footprints. But I, because I'm tired, and me and Big Martig would just run and just step at everybody's footprints and just wreck it all. Um, but yeah, so oh, like I say. It's, painful memories but you look back and it just it made you a better person but you just think far out am I going to get through these sessions so I used to think far out. how have they come up with these sessions these guys are crazy um, but it, it, mate, it, it's like I said it, it's what made us and the competitiveness yeah. um, amongst the group was, was awesome um, the sandpit no, we, I love the sandpit myself because <laughs> all the forwards did anyway because we knew alright this is where we can get the backs back cause we, you know, we knew the backs couldn't <laughs> handle us in the sandpit so we, we we take it out of them and obviously we're doing running they'll run past us like oh, hurry up or you're slow and all that but yes the, the sandpit was our domain so oh the the, the backs that will take the mickey out of us so on the pitch but um yeah the sandpit was like it was the forwards domain so we we sort of dominated that area <laughs> oh i love it i love it good good stories coming out hey find a way ficker find a way to get up those dunes mate stand in those footprints obviously less friction um, dealing with that. Hey, just, just on that, on the 01 and to the 05 era, that was probably the golden era for the New Zealand Warriors, an era that really stands out for Warriors fans. If there's one shining light or, or something you could point it to that made those years successful and and what they were, what what was it? What was it for those, those years? I'd say the culture of the group. Um, we had some old-school, tough Aussie blokes. We had some young King Pacific Islanders. We had Kempi. We had Daniel Anderson. So obviously Kempi would represent us Kiwi boys. And then obviously Daniel had the, the Aussie boys. But I just think we just we just all gelled together. And like I said, that competitiveness and training, like boys, you know, take the mickey out of each other in training. And you're like, all right, I'll get you back. It was, it was that sort of competitiveness. And, and no one wanted to let anyone down. Um, and like I said, we had some... We had, we had Kevin Campion, for example. Like he was grumpy all the time, but he, he was a tough <laughs> dude. Dude, you know, I respect and love it. And he brought that sort of um, respect as in we, we'd lose a game. We'll play in Australia. We'll lose a game. We'll go back to the hotel and we'll be like, we'll be playing cards and 
eating some junk food. That kid, uh, sorry, and then Kevin Campion will come around the corner like, oh, hide the cards, hide the food, or, you know, stuff like that. And we were like, oh, <laughs> yeah, just roll up. I'm like, yeah, we've just effed and lost. Get to your rooms, stuff like that. So uh, it was just that balance as well. We're willing to do it and we're not to. And they brought that winning people, one of the, you know, that tough mentality from Brisbane Broncos. So, yeah. Like I said, just the, the culture of the group and, the, and that 01 to 05 was, oh man, it was awesome. It was great to be a part of. Hey, Fe- hey Fex, obviously we also want to talk hey. a little bit about the World Cup. You've got, you know, some some brothers up there, some very good teams in Samoan Tonga along with our Kiwi mm-hmm. side. Mate, excited about yeah. that. What 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 are you lo- what are you liking about the World Cup? And where do you see the teams coming at their back end of the competition to win it? Oh man, I mean, for me, you look. You, Look at the Kiwis, obviously Australia, but the the Tonga, Samoa. Um, man, it's going to be tough. It's a tough comp, but I, I, I still favour New Zealand, man. I, I just think it's that forward pack they've got, that headache that you know Michael Maguire is going to have to, to pick that front row pack, especially because some someone's going to miss out. Um, but it's a good headache to have, but I, I just can't see anyone stopping the Kiwis, man. No, that's my team. I'm going to go for. I think Kiwis are going to are going to win this World Cup. Yeah. Hey, Fix, um, thanks a lot for joining us on SENZ this morning. Uh, been great talking to you and going down memory lane, hearing some of those oh, stories, mate, making me memory laugh. Memory lane. Mate, so just before we go, what are you saying? Kiwis by how much? Oh, Kiwis, Kiwis by 20 in the final. Um, I don't know who will play in the final, but Kiwis will be there and they're going to win it. Yeah. <laughs> nice, brother. Hey, go well, Fix. We'll talk to you soon. Sweet, bro. Take care. Thanks for having me on the show, boys. Take care. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. You'll like this one today, Is he? Has anyone stopped to consider the cost of sending more than 60 rugby union players plus staff to the Northern Hemisphere for an end-of-year tour? Add player payments to the mix, and we're talking millions of dollars needed to fund such an expedition. And what about the KPIs, the key performance indicators or outcomes, out of such an experience? Given players' international experience and building depth for the World Cup would have to be the main priority. But one has to ask the question, is this the best way to spend so much money? Would the millions be better spent for better off outcome for something like an inter-island origin series? A series here in New Zealand, for argument's sake. You would have to think that we would get similar outcomes. Certain, certainly more players would benefit from selection. And there would be a definite increase in pathways for coaches, etc. This type of concept would build depth right across the board. And the other thing, it would get local community buy-in also. Sometimes I think that the power brokers prefer rubbing shoulders at Twickenham rather than getting their hands dirty and their creative juices flowing when it comes to dollars and cents. I see it all the time in our game. If I was a director of NZR, I would certainly look at an origin concept for rugby New Zealand, especially given the enormous amount of money spilt on the Northern Tour. Or perhaps they are feeling flush after the Silver Lake windfall. Only need to look at Wasp's financial misfortune to see how quickly that type of capital leaks away. North versus South. Island of origin. Bring it on. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Love it, Kempi. Uh, there's a huge incentive for teams to go and play in England. They obviously sell it out and they get a clip of the ticket. 
they get a real big clip of the ticket. So the many more times that they can play there, they're gonna they're gonna get it done. But they've already they've tried to do the home origin series, Norvi South. Um, it had legs. Obviously, COVID was the last one that they put it up. It was at the Caketon, and uh, it was yeah, it was a wonderful spectacle. I think there is genuine opportunity there, but like everything. There's always so many doors you've got to go through, players associations, more time, more games. The players have the power, and there's just a ton of hurdles that need to be overcome. So, um, But I, I totally I totally hear what you're saying. Um, and one of those things as well with the money that I touched on, and yesterday we heard from the England side of it, the incentives behind the women's game if they win the competition they get a $30,000 bonus. Wouldn't that money go in towards the women's, the players, the women's game? They get selection fees, they're on centralised contracts, but they don't get any incentive bonuses if they win. You think of the All Blacks? 150k each if they win the Rugby World Cup. So there is so many ways we could start using that money. But... Um, They've made their bed and, and they've made it. So, yeah, I, I think there needs to be a home origin series, North East South. I, I think it'll be a fantastic event and something that we can build um, some, some legs on. It's just the, the window, the timing of, of it. When would we be able to fit it? Already in a congested um, calendar, Kempe, that's probably my only concern. Yeah, the, the windows are always the issue, eh? You know, we still have that mm. problem with the with the internationals over the origin period here. They they play three state of origin games, but you can't get those internationals on a regular basis through that same window. So the win, the window's a problem. What about this is a concept? What about a tri series? Have a north like a northern hemisphere Kiwi team of of ex All Blacks playing up in the in the northern hemisphere against a north and a South Island team and play it as a tri series. Mate, that would yep. bring, that would bring the crowds out down here, and what I think would happen with that also is then you'd start looking at the players like Charles Piertel, who we said mm. if you go up to England you can't play for the All Blacks. They play and they play themselves into the All Black side if you're looking at building depth. That sort of makes mm. a little bit of sense too, doesn't it? Well, let's hear from from you at home. Double eight, double three. Would a state of origin series in New Zealand be something that would encourage you or, or entertain you? Something to get the viewers back to the game of loving rugby again. Is it something that you would enjoy? Double eight, double three, or even better, phone or phone call of the week. Call of the week. It's an ego power tool. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Louis, your first thoughts? Yeah, there's a couple of things there. Just on Kempi's off the back fence. There's a couple of the north v south. We we've I've advocated for it for years, and I think it would be a great concept because you could bring out that real parochialism. And like, don't get me wrong, like there's nothing South Islanders want to do more than prove that they're better than North Islanders. So, like, it would you'd really get that you'd hit the nerve on the end of your tour, Kempi. Well. I actually think it's really important that they go because I don't think that we get enough exposure to 
Northern Hemisphere rugby. I think we play in an echo chamber. I think COVID put the All Blacks and New Zealand rugby back so far because we were just playing Australia, Argentina, and then South Africa and actually playing ourselves. So I don't think you can replicate what they're going to get when they go and play a different style up in the north. And that's why I think it's probably more important a, a year out from a World Cup that they do that then play a north v south, if that makes sense. Because we play so much super rugby against our own teams. I keep saying it as a, a rugby echo chamber down here I think we find ourselves in. So that exposure, yeah, how, how good is that? How important is that exposure to the north for these players? That's key. That's key. 100% you're dead right. That is another way of looking at it too. You've got to go. They're playing a total different brand. And, um, you know, yeah, you need to have that exposure for the next game because England and France, they just total different game. And you can see the changes that we've had over the last couple of years. When we play them, we get hit on the nose and we don't know how to react. So the more times you're playing opposition up in the north, you're going to um, get used to what their game's about and, and get used to the trends that they're, they're evolving. But, mate, there is legs on it. And, um, you know, Kempe's side of it makes sense. But then your side of it makes sense as well. So, yeah, double eight, double three. Flick your message through. Kempe's off the back fence. Want to hear from you. Radio. Let's catch up with Aroha with the news for Kubota together with Shaping and Building New Zealand. We'll talk to you on the other side. North v South or a trip to the North? Millions of dollars. <laughs> well, you're right, is he? The, the take, the, the gate for the tickets they take. The, oh, the, tricking them, mate. Mate, that is, that is cash in hand. All right, we'll talk to you soon. We're talking concussions and where this starts and when it, where this finishes with lawsuits and everything legal in between and, of course, the players at the heart of it. 27 minutes past 6 o'clock. Tony, you've called through on the Kennard's higher phone line. How you doing, man? Good morning, guys. Um, I actually, uh, Uncle, I actually agree with you for once. Um, <laughs> well, thank you, Tony. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right there. Um, I mean... My, my my son, he doesn't want to put his son into rugby because of because of that. Um, he reckons it's just it's just um, too too you know too too dangerous for him. Um, and I, I I agree with him. And I think um, the aspect of it is we always you know the the thing is we've always said, well make sure you smash him and you know that's the concept of the game smash them. I think that's what the concept we have to get out of the game. Um, you know that that mentality of having to really put them on the ground and damage them. That's, that's what you, you've been taught as a young fellow, I think, back in the old days. And um, it's hard to get out of. So that's my theory anyway. And, and I think you're right, though. Jeffy, um, headgears. Why don't we just, everyone just wears headgear? Mm. And what, what's your shoulder what? story? You've got a shoulder story for us too. You popped a few. Well, well no, um, it's, it's not actually my shoulder, but I was uh, playing rugby at uh, St. Mary's. You'd probably know St. Mary's in Hastings, isn't he? Um, see you? <laughs> anyway, I was yep. playing rugby there, and um, I was must have been about seven or eight. And um, this uh, boy called Hamish that I don't, we never really liked each other. He hit, I tackled me, and I got up and uh, went to give him a swinging arm, and I hit the rugby post, broke my arm. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so he's swinging arm. Is You've come on. Someone's obviously told him swinging arm, bro. Get him, get him, and then you know just. Ah, oh, backfired, mate. Tony coming through, maybe changing the the thought process. Yeah, that was part of it. They eh? smash him, and the appearance of Chaha went on the sideline when you pick him up and dump them. Maybe the the process. Look, it's a it's an interesting one, Louis and Kempe. Like, you know, like it's just we, we, whether they can do enough. Well, it is enough because you're looking after our longevity and players. So, 
I don't know, watch this space because there's just so much water to go under the bridge, but where when, do they start? A, They've made a start. When you buy horses, when you buy a horse, mm. all right, they have it vet checked. Yeah. So they watch it walk, they get the whole thing scanned. You know, if you're sending it up to Hong Kong and that, and then you've got to wait till it comes back with a vet clearance. Now, what I'm saying, yeah. in a, under a similar... Um, they, they do do a medical kempi, but not a probably no, they, a, a thorough yeah, they, on the, the brain. They, they, they the brush brain. a medical. They brush a medical through. Like, you... They don't. They don't test for any autoimmune diseases. They don't test you. They don't look at your brains. They don't give you an eye test. They don't look at your teeth. They don't give you a heart scan. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if you're investing a million dollars in a player, or millions of dollars in a salary cap, then invest the money in a medical and get some baseline st- study done so that it's easier for doctors to look at in the future. Yep. Beautiful. I wonder. I just wonder. I used that word culpability before. Now, punters and fans, culpability is not the right word for us. But we're kind of having it a bob each way because then when we get head highs or when the game changes and we talk about the nipple line and tackling around the waist, we go, oh, that's not the sport I grew up watching and that's not the sport I want to watch. Oh, this isn't tiddlywinks. Oh, I don't want this. Oh, six weeks for my favourite player, that's too much. And it's like, well, then how do we turn around and have this conversation and pretend to care about player safety then? We can't have it a bob each way. What, what, when will we just accept that the game will have to completely change the way it looks? And yep. that's what we're saying. Like, mm. There's going to be people that are for and there's going to be play- people at home that will be shaking their heads going, what is this? And there has been situations where it's getting out of hand. Um, and, and we're all guilty of it, Louis. We're all guilty of it. But the the underlying factor is, is I hate it seeing players that I've grew up admiring having to deal with it. Like Rob Burrow and, you know, Jared Cunningham. Like, just, it's, yeah, it's it's crazy. And, and then you just want us to shy away from that. And if this is the cause of what sport is doing to them, then I 100% agree with change. We need to change. And where that changes, I'm sure, because we can't change the game. It is a physical contact sport. And there's going to be, it happens at 100 miles an hour, and there's going to be impacts that you can't control, and that is the hardest thing. But if you've got studies and research behind it that can potentially stop the longevity from getting impacted, then I'm all for it. Yeah, and you can change the game. It just won't look like what we know it is. And are we going to accept that? And because yesterday in the, I was watching the NFL, and they were there was a... Uh, a quarterback roughing the passer foul penalty throw it. And I went on Twitter and everybody's blowing up. Oh, right, so we can't even touch the quarterback anymore. Okay, so the game's changed. Well, hold on. Ten days ago, everybody was crying foul about Tua mm. Tagovailoa and saying that this is a thuggish sport and we're killing people. So, yeah. <laughs> which one? Which way do you want it? Yeah, there's some, there's some, there's some, um, some perimeters around... All of this, you know, you've got you, you're not going to please everybody, but you have. What I'm saying is, you have to make a start. Like, let's let's like seatbelts, like smoking. People say they'll never happen, but whoever thought that there'd never be smoking in pubs, you know, whoever thought that everyone put a seatbelt on, you've got to make a start and then work with it. You know, if we just sit here and go, oh, well, that guy's concussed. I wonder how he's going to be later on in life. That's not that's not finding a solution. Maybe we need a concussion free. 2035 campaign. 
Yeah. Well, not, that's not, that's not silly. No. <laughs> no, it's, no. I'm not actually kidding. Well, someone that's been trimming down the golf course all week is our next guest, Brady Weber. As next year's Rugby World Cup fast approaches, it's crucial to give players more game time on the world stage, which has led to the return of the All Blacks 15. Leon McDonald's side is not only filled with youth, but it leads by a number of players who have already proven they have what it takes to perform under the bright lights overseas. One of those men is the Bay's very own, the Bay. Hawks Bay. Got to say it, Hawks Bay, because the Bay is in Tauranga. Very own Brad Weber, who joins us on the line now. Morena to you, Braddy. Morning, Izzy. Morning, fellas. Yeah, sorry about that. Izzy, I was just as devastated <laughs> as everybody else, so we had to give up that Bay uh, title. So I'm going to wear that for the rest of the year. Uh, with Donk up in the Chiefs, he'll remind me every day. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's a, t- it's a tough one, but, mate, uh, season as a whole... I was very proud of you. Obviously, just fell short in the last hurdle, mate. Uh, it's been a big couple of days with you and the, the lads, mate. So, But how's your body? How are you tracking at the moment, Webby? Uh, yeah, no, it's been a good couple of days, isn't it? Um, we, nah, mate, my body feels sweet. My, honestly, I've, I'm, I'm, I feel good as gold. I, my, I still feel the same as I did when I was 25. So, nah, I'm, I'm ready to go for another couple of games for the end of the season and then get stuck into summer. See, that's what I like about you, Brad, is that you just you just want to get out there and get the job done. I've got a question for you, mate, because I've been pumping your tyres up on this show, saying that you <laughs> should be in the all-black side. Have they spoken to you to give you any inclination of what you need to do to get one of those top three spots? Yeah, I look, I appreciate you. Uh, can be for singing, singing my song, mate. appreciate you. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, yeah, I, I, had, I had a quick um, yarn to Fozzie the other day. Just he, he was just uh, telling me that uh, they'd taken the other the same three nines on on the tour. He was very open and honest with me, which was great. And um, I we had a little yarn, mostly. Um, you know, he doesn't really need to tell me too much about what I need to do about what I need to do now. Like I, I, I kind of already know um, what it is. It's more like we we just talked about um, the AB15 tour just because. Um, I was con- I was considering maybe not going. Um, just because, as a you know, you know my my story from 2018. You you covered it at the World Cup in 2019. I I come home early from the Maldives tour in 2018, so I could have a full preseason back then and um, give that World Cup uh, squad a really good nudge. And obviously, it worked out pretty good that year. So I was sort of thinking about doing something similar this year. <clears throat> he just gave me sort of his thoughts and. Um, you know, I was sort of on the fence whether I would go or not um, uh, and just wanted to sort of see what he reckoned. And then, um, yeah, but pretty good salesman, eh? so I'm, I'm, I'm keen to go on the, <laughs> on the tour now. <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah hit it over. If you go back to 2018, what, what, were the, what was that prison like for you? What, what was involved to get you and your body back to, to playing so well with that warranted selection going into 2019? Um, I think that season in particular. I mean, the preseason before, I was just coming off my um, my broken leg, so it probably took me mm. another year to to feel fully right. And I really wanted a, a full preseason just to really nail down my rehab and make sure that my leg was good to go for that 2019 season. That that certainly played a big factor. But for me, it's always been consistency of skill set, like. In those years, 2016 and 2018, I'd have like you know two good games where I 
passing and kicking really consistently and then I'd have a, a shocker the next week, you know. So um, mm. for me, it was always, I've always had the ability around the field, my speed and stuff is, is a point of difference for me but, uh, uh, compared to other nines around the country. So that was always there, but it was my core roles that were letting me down. So that pre-season, I just wanted to absolutely nail my skill set so that when I played, that stuff just take care of itself. I'm always consistent, passing, kicking, always on the money. And then my other stuff can shine, my my running game and my my, um, my support, support lines and that. So, yeah, that's uh, that's always the focus for me now. Um, and that will continue to be this year and next year. Yeah, best running game in the in the comp. That's what I'm saying. Get him back in there. Hey, <laughs> you got Damien McKenzie coming back up um, and you're partnering with him. You, you excited about that, Brad? Yeah, I am. I've missed my little mate. He's, uh, he, I was uh, <laughs> devastated that he had to go to Japan for a season and fill his pockets up. Um, so hopefully he can shout me a few coffees or a few beers on tour because he's, um, he's full of it now. So, uh, yeah, look, I'm really looking forward to getting back uh, back with David. We've played a lot of rugby together since since he was sort of 18, 19 at, at our Waikato days. And, um, yeah, we sort of I know exactly how he plays. He plays a style of rugby that I love playing as well, sort of open throw the ball around, have a go, you know, so it'd be good to link back up with me, old mate. mate. Mate, the style of the game, the game that, the way that the rugby has been played now, has it evolved and changed a lot from from when you first started to now? And how have you had to uh, evolve your game to stay on top of it and make sure you're ready for the way that it's been developed and played? Yeah, it's a good question, is he? Um I think the game's evolved, especially sort of behind the scenes. Um, there's a lot more emphasis on statistical stuff around kicking and 22-metre entries. This is probably stuff that the punters probably not really understand. No, they love it. A whole, heap of, a whole heap of stats around that. The team that kicks the most or the team that wins the territory battle, most 22-metre entries, more than 80% of the time win the game. So... Um, I've had to learn to stop trying to run it from everywhere, <laughs> and uh, and best running and game in the comp. Look to, yeah, and maybe look to you know <laughs> to play territory and use my kicking game a little bit more, particularly around the areas sort of in between the ten meters, um, that sort of area. Because if you win a penalty there, or if you lose a penalty there, then you're all of a sudden in trouble. So sometimes overplaying your hand in that sort of area of the field. Some head coaches get a little bit nervous about these days. So, um, whereas in my first few years, we just run run everything from there. So, um, yeah, I've had to develop my, I guess, my game awareness and um, game management uh, a lot for the last couple of years. It's been good for me, though. Mate, you sound like Joey Johns. Have you ever thought about giving rugby league a crack? <laughs> I used to play. I used to play league back in the day. I used to play league back at, at high school. Oh, course, play on Saturday and then did. play league on Sunday. And um, actually, remember we played against the the Warriors under twenties when I was uh, when I was still at high school, and uh, we got absolutely cowed up at our Hawks Bay team. It was a good experience. So Kevin Locke absolutely carved us up. It was uh, it was pretty cool playing against those guys. But no, nah, look, I don't think I could make. I don't think I could make fifty tackles a game in the middle as a hooker. I'm not too sure that would be my game. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I can just pitch you, mate, scrubbing the floor. Aren't you called the janitor, always mopping it up? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'd just come and chop tackle. I'd just surround myself with the big boys 
can just come in, third man in, chop tackle. <laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> hey, mate, we just touched on it earlier. Um, Kempe's off the back fence. He, he spoke about an origin series, you know, in rugby. And I said it, oh, it's just half trying to find the right time to play it. But for you, a North v South, you're a part of it. Is it something that you'd be really keen for and something that could potentially work? Has it got a lot of legs? Um, it depends how you how you do it. Like, what would be the like? How would you apply the like, school? How you get in the teams. Is it school? School. Where you, you went to school? school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Um, yeah. Look, I, I I loved it. I loved that one week we had. I was obviously with the South team, so I'd be under your rules. I'd be eligible for the North yeah. team. Um, yeah. But no, nah, yeah, it was it was good fun. Uh, I'm not sure if a three game series would be good for the players. Geez, I. I was sore for a week after that, having to tackle all the, the combination of the Blues and the Hurricanes players all in one. It wasn't much fun, so um, maybe one game. But well, for the punter, sure, mate. Was, I, I imagine it'd be um, good for everyone uh, to have something to talk about. I'd love it, but geez, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm probably thinking too much for my player cap on. <laughs> yeah, look, that's it's one of the challenging ones that keep you, you know, we've we've touched on it quite a few times. Just trying to find the time and and place to uh, to get that on the calendar. Already congested at the moment, but for you, Webby, mate, you, you're flying. What else are you doing outside of the rugby field, mate? I know you're, you're very uh, good amongst the community. What what takes your wheels? You're hacking golf courses or what? <laughs> yeah, I think um, the course superintendents around Hawke's Bay are going to be happy to see the end of me after this week. Um, yeah, so I'll be playing heaps of golf, mate. We've actually locked in Cape Kidnappers on Friday, so hoping the the, um, the weather plays ball. And then there's the, the races on here uh, in Hawke's Bay on the weekend. I'm surprised you're you coming down for that or what? <laughs> no, no, no. Are you going to that party zone, are you? The Grand Tour. The Grand Tour. Get on, get on jam as, a, as an outsider there, Webby, and the big one. Okay, yeah, I'll write that one down. Thanks, I'm a terrible just, punter. Just so ask me. Any, that's, any that's Kempe's horse. Just ask okay, me, because you just ask Kempe, and he'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it, is he? <laughs> oh, so you, you, you have a wee dabble? You have a wee dabble? Because you're, you're one of your good mates, Anton, he loves the horses. Are you into them? Nah, nah, I'm not. I, I, I don't bet. The only time I'll ever gamble on the horses is if, is if I actually go to the races, so... Um, okay. If I go on Saturday, then yeah, I'll be on it. But otherwise, no, I I try and spend my money smartly. <laughs> All right, mate. All right, mate. There's one this <laughs> afternoon, Warwick Farm. Warwick Farm race two. There's one called Pungal. Uh, you might have uh, Baz, Bodie Barrett's in it, and myself's in it, and there's a few others as well. Ooh. It's just having its second start, so it might, um, might go all right. We'll see. Heavy track. It's okay, got well, a chance anyway, hey, well, I don't, I don't mind supporting the sellers, so you know I'll, I'll put some money towards your horse, Izzy. It's <laughs> not a charity, man. Beautiful. The bookies get it if it loses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they give back to charity too, mate. That's what they do. They love it. TAB. Anyway, Webby, we'll let you go, brother. With no doubt, you'll be uh, day two. The hangover's worse. So, uh, oh, thanks so much for for joining us and giving us an inkling of what's what's ahead for you, my friend. Just go away and do the mahi comeback. Work on that uh, pre-season, and no doubt you'll be amongst contention next year going towards France, brother. Appreciate your time. No, no worries. Cheers, fellas. There he is. Webby, your little, your mate there, uh, Kim P.A., your little, you're a real fan. I've never seen you, like, really Yeah, mate, I'm not, Who are you I'm dropping? A, I'm a brand... <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> I'd, I'd drop either of the other two. I'd probably, I reckon he's probably got Aaron Smith too. Just quietly. Um, <laughs> I just love his. I just love his running game, mate. I love the how he likes to. Ta- I, I hear what he's saying. I hear what he's saying. The coaches have given him all the stats where he needs to game manage a little bit better and not try and win it from every part of the football field. But you need a running halfback these days, fellas. You know, I, I just think if he tidies that up, he goes on that tour at the end of the year. He goes on the World Cup. Yeah, he's look. Come World Cup time, I I don't mind what they're doing here with uh, Finlay Christian. Fakatava because especially Fakatava, if it goes well, it could go really, really, really well. And it could be something that we look back and we've won the Rope World Cup and we go, gee whiz, imagine if we missed this Fakatava talent. Mm. But I can see a world in which they have to go plan B and that doesn't go well and Brad Webber's right there and you know what you're going to get. And I think Brad's got the edge on TJ Perenara at the moment. Um, and I think don't think that's a radical thing to say out loud, is he? Mm. Yeah, look, he's he's flying, he's flying. And how good is it knowing that we've got two qualities just waiting yeah. that have played thirty or forty games? I've got experience, like we talked about overseas, so it's good knowing that. But I'm like you, Louis. Fakatava really excites me. He's got a lot to learn. He had an opportunity during the year for the Highlands, second on the Hurricanes. His game management wasn't quite where it needed to be. But, man, he really excites me for the future. Uh, if there was going to be change, Kempe, and Brad Webber was going to come in, I'd say for Finlay Christie. Finlay Christie is class. He's quality. He's defensively really, really good. But that's where I'd probably make that change. Louis, I know you asked well, that. I'd probably make that change. It's, it's just interesting because they had Finlay Christie as their second during the, the pretty much this whole year. And so they're obviously not seeing something from Falau that's given them the confidence that they can drop him Game in Game management. Bucket. Game management, I reckon, Kempi. I think it's the game management of just... It is, because everything else he's control. got is, is very good. You know, like his support lines, he touched on that. His support, he's the best supporter, supporting halfback in the competition. He's always on the end of plays. So um, hopefully he can do it. Hey, just before we shoot off to Pip, are those crooks from Auckland going to roll out their All Blacks in the semis again this weekend? Probably. <laughs> Mate, what the, what's a Kira Yuani doing playing? I turn on the TV on Friday night, and a Kira Yuani's playing North Harbour. What a try, too. And I'm like, uh, isn't a Kira Yuani like a 40-test all-black at the stage? He's on the books. He needs game time. He needs game time. Wow, drop him from Get the all-black time. <laughs> He's on the books, pan him. Get out there. It's good seeing them back. But it's sad for the guys that have been trugging all year and then old mate comes back in and, oh, I'll take the glory. <laughs> I, also, I watched, I, look, I actually watched that game purely because I wanted to see Roger Tuivasa-Shek on the wing. Mm. And, boys, for being honest, I'm getting really worried about the Roger situation. Like, mm. really worried. Like, I, I'm nearly, we're, like, I'll be shocked. I'm nearly at the point where I'm going to say out loud, I'll be shocked on the Northern Hemisphere tour if I see something that makes me go, oh, there it is. I just, it's. I, I'm not even seeing the glimpses anymore, and I know I might be on yeah. the negative side of it, but I, I'm I'm starting oh. to get into dangerous territory with him. I just feel for him, mate. Like you've got a thousand messages coming through your ears. Like going from twelve to wing is totally different, and f- like uh, only one player can do that. And that's Jordy Barrett. Like it is difficult, and he's had mixed messages the whole entire time he's been in rugby. Give him cement certainty of where you see him and just trust him and give him the opportunities to time. go there. Like, cause, uh, well, we're not out of time. We've got time. 
We've got time. Yes, it's coming close to next year, and he's going to get an opportunity. There is against Japan. still a wee bit of time. There's still a wee bit of time, Louis, but he needs certainty. Where do they see him? Like right now, if I was in there, I'll be looking up at them seeing bloody stars because I don't know where they are. Because I'm like, where, where do you see me? There's just no certainty in what, where he fits in this team. And there's always going to be that angst and, and um, you know, a little bit of uh, confusion of where I actually sit. And I actually feel for him. He's a phenomenal athlete, and we've seen that in league. You can't lose that overnight. You cannot lose that overnight. But when you've got mixed messages and you're confused, then you're going to lose that instinct and your confidence to see a gap and have a crack. You're overthinking it, and you lose it all, and it's difficult. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91.